Hey guys, it's me, Kendall, and today I've launched my new podcast series on mental health. We have a very special guest with us here today. His name is Eric Moffness, and he is a speaker with Stop Stigma Sacramento. So many of us have been impacted by the isolation and loneliness caused by COVID-19. Eric talks to us today about his battle with mental illness and how we can help those around us who may be having a really difficult time. Our goal is to get the dialogue going so we can stop the stigma about mental health. We all know someone, love someone, or suffer from mental illness ourselves. It's time that we start talking about mental health more and stop the stigma. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's start off with your story. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. I wanted to just let you know that, you know, I've been diagnosed with a mental illness for over 36 years now. I've been living with it. And a few years back, I heard about the mental illness. It's not always what you think project. And I'm a public speaker. I really enjoy speaking to groups and inspiring people. And I wanted to share my story. So I joined the Stop Stigma Sacrifice speakers bureau so that I could hopefully touch a few lives and let people know that there's hope out there. As someone who's been diagnosed with mental health issues for several years now, what are your thoughts for someone who may be newly diagnosed? I definitely want to you know, let people know that it's something that is treatable and is something that just happens to you. It's, it's not something that I've done wrong or that anybody has done wrong. It's just, you know, it is what it is. And I have to live with it and, and I've done pretty well with it, I think. When you first started going through your mental health journey, what are some things that really helped carry you through? Well, to be honest with you, you know, my parents had no idea what to do. They were not prepared for this at all. And they had, they didn't have the slightest idea of the tools or resources that were out there available. So it was, it was a pretty big struggle. I was about 19 years old when I first started having my conditions and I sought out help. I definitely saw a doctor about this, a psychiatrist, as well as went through talk therapy and many group sessions and went through a lot of different types of organizations. There's been a lot of different resources I've used over the years, whether it be a phone number or even just talking to one of my best friends. It takes a lot of work. It's very hard to go through something like that. And you have to tackle it with just about everything you can possibly imagine, you know, whether it's, um, like I said, you know, getting help with medication or therapy. I mean, those are the two classic ways. But talking to a friend, going out and trying not to seclude yourself and, and realizing that you're not alone. I think that was the hardest thing to come to terms with because I felt like I was the only one suffering from what I was suffering from and finding out there were other people and that it wasn't such a something that needs to be stigmatized or something that is shameful. It's just something that we're all dealt with a different deck of cards and we have to deal with them the way we have to deal with them. It must have felt wonderful to find out that you weren't the only one who was having those kinds of ideas and feelings and you weren't the only one who was going through that. Eric, I'm wondering, what are some warning signs that we can look out for in our friends and our family, our loved ones? What can we look for if we think that they may be having a difficult time right now or struggling and possibly even thinking about suicide? Absolutely. That's a great question. Some things are obvious. Some things are not so obvious. Avoiding social situations. Sometimes people, for one reason or another, maybe don't want to be out in the public and see people. But if it's a pattern, they're constantly isolating themselves and wanting to be alone. That is definitely something that is a a bit of a warning sign. Uh, I think more important warning signs are things like uh, talking about wanting to die or you don't want to be here any longer. 
those are definitely more serious signs to look for. But things like crying spells, you know, are you crying just for no reason at all? That's a big red flag that something is going on in your body and with you, and that's something that needs to be addressed. Another thing nowadays with social media, a lot of people like to post these cryptic messages on social media, and a lot of times they're a cry for help. And, you know, at that point, it's definitely appropriate to reach out to them and just say, hey, is there something I can help out with? So let's go out and have a cup of coffee and let's talk for a little while or I'm here to listen to you. Just, just things like that. Not speaking clearly, speaking in rambling sentences sometimes is a sign. One thing for sure is a decline in personal hygiene. That one's a little bit more evident when you can tell someone hasn't been taking care of themselves uh, in terms of, you know, brushing their hair or putting their makeup on or wearing dingy clothes or wearing the same clothes over and over and over again. Those are some of the ones that I've seen personally, and I, I know I've seen those in, in family members and friends as well to, to look out for. If I'm online and I see that one of my friends or family members is making a social media post about suicidal ideation, it would be a good idea to reach out to them and see if they'd like to get a cup of coffee or maybe go for a walk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't have to take the burden of being a counselor. Uh, You know, it's something that, uh, you know, if someone has serious suicidal ideation, they definitely need to talk to a professional in terms of just someone who's reaching out on Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever, saying things that might be a trigger. It's just like I said, definitely listen without judgment. I think that's one of the most important things you can do for someone is just to be there, to listen, to help guide them through, and then try to guide them through to a professional. Definitely help them build plans for the future. You want to be supportive and realize and, and let them know that this is not a permanent situation. This is something that will pass. I've read some things online before that talk about when people threaten to kill themselves and talk about suicide, they may just be doing it to try to get attention or sympathy. What are your thoughts on that, please? That one really gets under my skin, to be honest with you, because I definitely had, you know, when I was going through my dark times, I definitely had certain family members that were saying things like that to me that, you know, oh, you know, we heard you. Okay, you got our attention. Like I was trying to get their attention. And and that's just not the case. It may be that somebody, you know, has a pattern of this and they are trying to call for help maybe redundantly, but at at the same time, you have to take these things seriously because you never want to look back and say, oh gosh, you know, I I guess she was being serious. I guess I should have done something. No. I mean, when someone talks about ending their life, get them help. Call the resources. If it's something that's serious and, and they're really, they're making plans to do it, call 911 if it's very serious. If it's not and they just need to point to references, call the 211 or go to different websites. We've got a great website on StopStigmaSacramento.org that can help. To me, it's not about getting attention. And if it is calling for attention, it's trying to call for loving attention. I definitely agree. And I've had a handful of very, very dear friends who have died by suicide. And also my uncle Steve, he died by suicide you know, I miss him every day and I, I really struggle and I wish that I would have been there more for him. And, um, yeah. I'm just, you know, I look at it now, even though it was so long ago, but you know, I ask myself, what could I have done differently to maybe change his mind? And, and Eric, so I'm, I'm wondering if somebody's mind is already made up about suicide, can they, do you think that they can still be stopped? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It is treatable, you know, whether it's a, a caring voice on the phone. You know, I've heard many, many stories about lives being saved just by a caring word or a hug to just say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. There's quite a few people out there that speak about this subject and listening to people that, you know, like myself, for instance, talking about this, it, it, sometimes just, just hearing a word or, or a, a phrase or, or something that will trigger them to stop and think. Kevin Hines is kind of the one who really inspired me. I'm not sure if you've heard about him. He is the person who lived off of a suicide attempt at the Golden Gate Bridge. He actually jumped off of the bridge and survived, and now he is an inspirational speaker. And listening to his stories alone, he's had many people come up to him and say, well, you saved my life today. You made me realize that I wasn't alone. I'm not the only one that went through this, and I can get help. So, you know, to me, absolutely, it is treatable. There is hope out there. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And one of the things that one person told me, and I think it's a biblical saying, if I'm not mistaken, but this too shall pass. I love that. I really love that. I was having a bit of very, very dark thoughts in that 2019, and I was diagnosed with leukemia. And um, when I was I was hospitalized for a month and uh, about two weeks into my hospitalization, I just started feeling, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I'm strong enough for this battle. Why did this happen to me? And, you know, just all of these really these really dark thoughts. And I thought, you know what, if I just I could just end it right now, I don't have to keep going. What you just said about this too shall pass it. it that helped me a lot get through that really, really hard time. And I definitely believe in what you just said about the hard things passing and staying strong and remembering that this too shall pass. I'm very sorry to hear about your uncle. And I definitely understand that, you know, and, and the, your leukemia diagnosis. I mean, those those are the hard ones to do, I think, of because you've got a condition, whether it's uh, some form of cancer or, you know, a terminal illness or something that is clinical in nature that causes a depression, that causes a turn down the mental illness route. Those are particularly difficult to deal with, but at the same time, you do deal with them the same way. You see a therapist, you possibly get on medications, you reach out to a friend, all the things that we've discussed so far. Thank you so much. I miss my Uncle Steve every day. I'm wondering, Eric, if I talk to my friends or family members about suicidal ideation, if they've been exhibiting some of the warning signs or verbally talking to me about it, if I talk to them more about it, do you think that that might make them want to go through with it more? I think that's going to vary from case to case. I can't say a blanket statement about that for everybody. I think not talking about it, I think, is more dangerous. I think leaving a person to their own devices and their own beliefs and thoughts could be a very dangerous thing. So at least showing that you care and that you love them and that you're there to listen, I don't see how that would hurt anyone. What are some resources that are out there that can help people who may be having some suicidal ideation or who have been affected by suicide? I'm definitely not an expert on all of the resources that are out there. I think calling 211 is the best way to, to find out all of those resources. But there is a suicide prevention hotline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. That is for people who are considering suicide or having suicidal ideations. And there's a ton of education support. There's a National Alliance for Mental Illness. Any Google search for resources locally will pull up 
all types of organizations that are out there that are doing some wonderful things out there. And definitely check with your primary care physician, provided you have one, of course. A medical professional, uh, they will be able to refer you to the appropriate folks. When we talk about the stigma that surrounds mental health and suicide, what are your thoughts uh, going forward into our future generations? How do you feel about teaching our youth about suicide awareness and mental health? I think that is the only way we're going to get through a lot of this stigma that it surrounds mental illness and suicidal thoughts. One in five of us at some point in our lives will be diagnosed with a mental illness. That's just the numbers alone. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't know one person that has not died by suicide. I think it's important for kids to learn about it because teenage suicides are on the rise. They have been on for a long time. Teenage life is already I have two teenagers myself, and teenage life can be very, very difficult to adjust socially to, but unfortunately, it is a part of life. Suicide is a part of, of our society. It's something that people don't like to talk about, unfortunately, but at the time, you know, at one time or another, you know, whether it be somebody like Robin Williams or other famous people, kids are going to ask those questions. You know, why would they do that? Why would they think about that? I know one local person here in Elk Grove who their 12-year-old unfortunately took his own life. And it's a very sad thing, but I shouldn't paint such a dark picture that it's going to happen again. But unfortunately, people do die by suicide, and it's something that has to be talked about. We must not go back to the dark ages where it was just something that you don't talk about, that you don't discuss. So to me, it's, it has to be something that's the forefront of, of conversations at the dinner table and at classrooms. As we wrap up our conversation today, Eric, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to talk about? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want people to know that there are people like myself out here who have been working with our mental illness and accepting it. I've been doing it for well over 30 years now. I went from a young single man with a condition to I am now, I'm in my 50s, I'll, I'll admit that, I'll admit to that, but I'm, <laughs> I have a thriving career now. I have a beautiful wife. I have two beautiful children. I see a therapist and there's nothing wrong with that. I also see a psychiatrist once every now and then to check on my medications and things like that just to keep me grounded and, and to keep me healthy and, and to let people know that mental health is just as important, if not more important, than your physical health. And nowadays we are so focused on our physical health and how we look and going to the gym and keeping active and fit and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have your mental health, how can you do anything else? So to me, I just want people to know that they're not alone, that there is help out there, and that there's definitely hope. Thank you so much, Eric. And what are some ways that our listeners can stay connected with you? Absolutely. It's the Stop Stigma Sacramento. Dot org. StopStigmaSacramento.org. There are some stories up there. I'm not personally featured on, on the stories, but there is a, a speakers bureau. There's actually, if you go to the Get Involved link, there's the speakers bureau, and it has a um, some lists and, and some speaker stories and things like that that you can take a look at. So it's a wonderful resource. There's actually a resource page as well, so I would I would start there. Thank you so much for your time, Eric, and sharing your story with us all and sharing all of this great information. I really, really appreciate it, and I hope to stay connected with you. Thanks, Eric. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 
take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.